0: Hello, friends. You're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Icke, Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and of course, on the phone with us today, we have Father Jim Blunt from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And today, we're going to be continuing our conversation about Louisa Picoretta and the divine will. But first, we know all good things start in prayer. So, Father, would you lead us in a prayer?
1: Sure, beloved. Today, of course, is the marvelous feast day of St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael, our friends and our brothers, our protectors. So why don't we begin with the St. Michael prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout this world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: Let's pray. Most sacred heart of Jesus.
2: Have mercy on us.
1: Most sacred heart of Jesus.
2: Have mercy on us.
1: Most Sacred Heart of Jesus,
2: have Have mercy mercy on us.
1: Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray Pray for for us. O Mary, conceived without sin,
2: pray Pray for for us.
1: Mary, Queen of the Angels, pray Pray for for us. Good Saint Joseph,
2: pray Pray for for us.
1: And all of you saints and angels,
2: pray
3: Pray for for us.
1: We ask you, holy angels, to pray to the good Lord Jesus that everyone who hears this broadcast now or in the future will receive the grace of eternal salvation. May Almighty God bless everyone who's listening and bless our beautiful team. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hallelujah. Alleluia.
3: Alleluia. Well, Father, it's cloudy, a little bit rainy here in Roswell, and we know it's sunny somewhere. We're hoping it's sunny where you are, but on this Feast of the Archangels, I think about uh, angels breaking through the clouds, and we're hoping that they're all going to be with us today during this episode. We're going to talk a little bit more about Louisa Picaretta, known as the Little Daughter of the Divine Will. Uh, And servant of God. And we're going to talk a little bit about her background and then maybe talk about some questions um, from a novena that you've asked us to read that we thought was just beautiful. So we're going to ask you some questions about each day of the novena today, if that's okay with you. But, but yes. okay, but first of all, a couple of uh, one housekeeping thing we have a new member of our team, Paul Crowder, who will be with us occasionally, who's with us today, learning the board, and he has some good radio experience. So we're very excited to have him with us. And you are with coincidentally, which parish,
4: Paul? St. Michael, the Archangel. There we go. (laughs) He's got his radio voice on (laughs) all the time, though. (laughs) I was going to say, it's the only one I have.
3: (laughs) So we welcome Paul to be with us today. But on this feast, as you mentioned, Father, the Feast of the Archangels, uh, is there any thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, yes. The first one simple thought, just to call this to mind, that uh, God does nothing in vain, so if the good Lord went to the trouble of creating these marvelous creatures called the angels and then revealed their presence to us in sacred scriptures and in many other places as well, through many saints like Padre Bio, then the Lord must deem them necessary for our salvation. Amen?
2: Amen. Amen.
1: And so we could put it this way, that if angels are not a nicety, they're a necessity. Mm-hmm. They're not a nicety, they're a necessity to our Catholic faith. And they are strong brothers, and the reason that they're strong is that we are fighting strong evil. When God created this magnificent universe, He created the angels first, and some of the angels fell in a dastardly way, in a way that's really frightening, you might say. How could any creature of the most beautiful God rebel against Him? And those that did, Lucifer and his cronies, you might say, They are determined uh, to influence you and I that they went in to rebel against our beautiful Father in heaven. It's a powerful battle that the whole world is plunged in. And the Lord sees that this too is good for us to have a battle, that battling is good for Christians, that we Americans and we Catholics in general, we become too complacent, um, too placid, too comfortable. But we were meant to be warriors in this life so as to merit the crown of eternal life. And so we have on our side many more angels, the good angel. I think at least two-thirds of the angels remained faithful to God, and one-third fell. So there are more good angels. And the three preeminent angels mentioned by name in Sacred Scripture are Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And they, they love us. They love us with a personal love. Angels are not ideas, and they're not sparks. They are persons. They are real persons. They are angelic persons. So remember, God created uh, two kinds of persons, the angelic persons and the human persons. And he himself is the first kind. He is a divine person, three divine persons. So angels are persons like, like ourselves and like God. They're very powerful, and they're meant to lead us away from darkness and the error of sin. Sin is always an error. And to lead us into truth and to life and into eternity, the angels like God desire our presence with them in heaven forever. Truly, heaven is motivated and guided by love. And so we thank God for the ministry of these angels. We desperately need them because there are unseen enemies. You might say hiding behind the bushes when we leave our house with machine guns in their hands shooting at us. Well, we can't see them, but the good angels can. We find it particularly interesting that today, on this awesome feast day of St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, whom God created because we need them, that today is also the day of the first presidential debate.
3: Mm, That's right.
1: And isn't that interesting that perhaps this is probably the most important presidential debate in the history of the United States of America? And probably the most important election in the history of our country. And so what's important is that all Americans choose with wisdom that we have to not see who we like or don't like. That's for little children, you see. That's for kindergartners. We're not to look for who we like or don't like. Because it could be the one who's most appealing and most pleasant, who calls himself maybe the, your uncle. He could be someone actually diabolically evil. It could be that someone who looks to be kind of rough, um, maybe super manly, but he may be the one actually protecting our truths and our country and our church and our unborn children. So to be very, very careful in deciding election based on who pleases me, who doesn't please me. That's called selfishness. We have to evaluate our candidates in the debate on the basis of truth. The angels can assist us. So I find it highly providential that this first debate in which we have to look for truth and for deception, truth will be spoken and deception will be spoken tonight. We need to ask the angels to go into that debate hall, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, and to suppress the angel of deception, to suppress, to bind up the spirits of lying and cheating, and to also to lift up and elevate the spirit of truth. The angels to help the truth of Jesus Christ shine clearly in these debates. So this is nothing less than war. We're in an all-out war in our country right now, and it could get bigger and bigger. Tonight's debate could be pivotal, and what we really need to look for is truth. And all of us now listening can be engaged in the debate tonight directly and personally by praying asking Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael and our guardian angels to go into the debate hall to suppress all that is deceptive or evil or wicked and to elevate, to make shine all that is truthful and loving. And so it's, to me, it's much more than a coincidence that this first debate, perhaps in the middle or the culmination of the greatest war in the history of our country, that is falling on their feast day so they can help us now May they bind all that is evil and all evil spirits from that debate floor tonight, all deception and all lying. And may the angels help the truth to be clearly seen, that we Americans must vote for those who would love human life from the first moment of conception to the last moment of natural death and to see the value of those who would support and protect God's holy church, not destroy the church, among other issues. These are the two greatest of them all. And so we pray even now for the angels to be present, to help us to make right decisions, for the truth to be more clearly seen, because these angels see God face to face, every day, every moment, and they can help us to see where God might truly be in this election and in this debate. Amen?
3: Amen, amen. amen. Great thoughts, Father. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks be to God. Uh, You know what, guys? I'm sorry to interrupt, I just have this thought that while we're on this subject, why don't we pray three Hail Marys right now? Because it's so pivotal, the election and the debate tonight. It's so pivotal. And we should pray three Hail Marys, to ask one for Michael, one for Gabriel, one for Raphael, to assist every American watching the debate to see through all superficiality and all nonsense, and to see through to the truth. And especially for every Catholic to realize that we can never vote for someone who would kill even one unborn baby. This Mm -hmm. is actually Catholic teaching. We can never do that. Let's ask the angels while we're on this topic to assist the debate hall tonight and to assist all of us in obtaining the gift of supernatural wisdom.
3: That that sounds great. And, you know, Father, I want to make sure that we remind people who are Uh, new to the show that we do as just by nature now we do insert the flame of love prayer into our our hail mary so if they hear something a little bit different they know that we have adapted our our hail mary to include something that our lady has asked for through the flame of love okay
1: very good so first in honor of holy saint michael hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God,
0: pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love
3: over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death.
0: Amen.
1: In honor of Holy St. Gabriel, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
0: Holy Mary, Mother of God,
2: pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity,
3: now and at the hour of our death.
1: Amen. In honor of Holy St. Raphael, the healing angel, Hail Mary, full of grace, Queen of angels, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary,
3: Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
1: Mary, Queen of the Angels,
3: pray 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 for for us. us.
1: Our Lady of Honesty and Truth, pray for us. Our Lady of Wisdom,
2: pray pray for us.
1: Our Lady of America,
2: Pray pray for us.
1: Good Saint Joseph,
2: Pray, Pray for, for us.
1: And servant of God, Louisa Picaretta. Pray,
2: Pray for, for us.
1: May God, the good God, in the truth and in love tonight. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. Yeah, that was wonderful. I think that was a great idea. We're all looking forward to that uh, debate tonight.
1: Yes, and let's all keep praying, too. During the day, the debate's going on. We can have an active, you know, um, effect on the debate. So let's ask everyone to pray, and I'll be praying too. Our mass last night, actually, for the debate and for the election. Let's all keep praying that God will send angels and send the Holy Spirit, so that the truth will be more clearly shown to the nation.
5: Mm, yes, and, yes. And Father, we're, there are some uh, some significant feast days upcoming when the, uh, the future presidential debates and the vice president, presidential debate will take place. So um, then I guess after tonight, the next one up is October 7th, and that's the vice presidential debate, and that's taking place on the Feast of the Holy Rosary. Yes. And then the two presidential debates, October 15, is the Feast of St. Teresa of Avila, and October 22, uh, St. Pope John Paul. So we're going to have some help going forward, too. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, let no one despair that the fate of nations is in the hands of God. We can see here the movement of divine providence, that God is in charge here. And even this, this terrible battle that we're in, in many in many. God himself is present. He's trying to give us every possible support, encouragement, and aid to fight through to a holy victory. We see that in the arrangement of these debates. It's actually stunning. I'll just mention just in, in a breath, October the 15th is the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila, perhaps the wisest woman next to the Virgin Mary who ever lived on the face of the earth. Mm. So what do we need? We need wisdom. We need mm-hmm. wisdom. We need wisdom. So we see the next debates on the feast day of divine wisdom, you might say. The one after that, John Paul the Great. Who is he? The great protector and defender and proponent of human life. He called upon America. He called upon our country never, ever to kill unborn children. Worse yet, to justify it. Look at that. The next debate will be under his patronage. St. John Paul the Great. You might say defender of the unborn. Mm -hmm. My goodness. Mm -hmm. I think things should be very clear for every Catholic in the whole nation. We should pray to these saints, though, and especially the angels tonight, for truth and for love, divine love to shine forth.
4: That's
3: great. Great idea. And Jack, thanks for for uh, pulling that up for us. That's a good reminder that God has has his hands in everything and uses his saints, right?
1: (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Jack. Thanks be to God. Yes.
3: Well, we're excited to talk about Louisa today, Father. And uh, in a previous episode, you touched on her background a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind uh, for our listeners today, give us a little refresher so we kind of have uh, a way to segue into her novena and uh, then we'll go with from there with some questions about her novena. Can you just give us a little background on her?
1: Well, you know, I think it could be said rather accurately that Luisa perhaps is the the most um, vetted and most approved mystic in the two thousand year history of the Catholic Church, and of course is now a servant of God, which means that her cause for canonization has been opened. It's already been approved in her local diocese in Italy. She's from the town of Carato in the Diocese of Trani, but now it's been opened by the Vatican, so it's on an international level. All of her writings, in particular her very special book, The Book of Heaven, all 36 volumes, have been also tested and approved and granted the imprimatur now. First by the local bishop, which is what's most important, and now by the Vatican herself, the Vatican has also given the imprimatur to every bit of her writing. And the first part of her writings, the first editions that came out some many years ago, also had an imprimatur right from the very beginning. And some of our listeners are probably familiar with the 24 Hours of the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, and also the the stunningly beautiful book, The Virgin Mary in the Kingdom of the Divine Will. And those were given in by her spiritual director, who is now a canonized saint. This is rather incredible that this, this um, you might say, poor little uh, young woman named Louisa had as her spiritual director assigned by the bishop a priest who would become a canonized saint, canonized by John Paul the Great. And his statue now is also in the Vatican, which is unusual for a brand new saint. And so St. Annabelle is the one, or Annabelle, and, and he was, sometimes used the letter H, Hannabel. So St. or Father Hannabel gave the imprimatur to her first works. So we see that she was guided, and her works were vetted and approved by a canonized saint. And when she was just a teenager, she had an amazing vision that's rather well-known, where she went out on the balcony of her living quarters, her apartment, And she saw the Lord Jesus passing by. She saw Jesus in like a full three-dimensional vision on the street below. I've walked an actual street where the vision occurred. She saw Jesus there holding the cross with a mob around him, like shouting at him. She was seeing the very scene from the Bible, from what actually happened in the life of Jesus, as he carried his cross. She saw him there bloodied. I can only imagine the shock and even the horror of what she saw. And Jesus looked up at this beautiful, holy, innocent teenager, and he called her, Soul, Soul, help me. He called out to her and pleaded with her. And in a sense, that's the plea of the entire devotion to the divine will, which is the greatest devotion ever revealed to the church. It's an invitation from the Lord, Soul. Won't you receive my divine will? Help me by living in my will. So mm-hmm. she was marked, you might say, for life by that experience. Very soon thereafter, she became very sick and was bedbound for more than 50 years and couldn't even leave her bed. And there all kinds of prodigies occurred, including especially living only on the Eucharist for decade after decade after decade. Mm-hmm. Only on the Eucharist she was sustained. She had Mass said in her own bedroom by priest every day of the year for I forget how many decades in a row. It's the only time in the history of the Church that a lay person has had permission to have the Mass said in their house, in their bedroom, every single day. Wow. And that permission was granted by, first by Pope St. Pius X. So here's a little visionary who has the approval of a Saint Pope in her own lifetime. Of course, other popes, including Pope Leo XIII, ratified this approval. So we're talking about somebody extraordinary in the entire history of the Church. That's because the Lord was getting ready to reveal to the Church, through her, an extraordinary revelation. Because other revelations, especially Our Lady of Fatima in 1917, prophesy about a coming era or era of peace the triumph of peace and of Mary's Immaculate Heart, and a stunning new situation in the world where darkness will be vanquished, where Satan will be vanquished, where sin will be vanquished, and holiness will reign on the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And so, dear listeners, that the Lord is teaching us through Louisa, first the fulfillment of all the other apparitions and prophecies. But he's teaching us that the battle that we're in now, and this is a life-or-death struggle we're in right now in this country and in the world, the whole world right now is aligned against against this country, the New World Order. It's a striking battle that we're in, but the visionaries, the saints, tell us that it will end well, that the battle will end in our favor, that As the Lord himself said in sacred scripture, the battle is mine, saith the Lord. It is God's battle. He's giving us many weapons to fight this battle, including this newly approved flame of love prayer, which is one of the most potent ones that we have. Of course, the old weapon of using the angels. He's given us many weapons. But the greatest gift he's ever given the church is coming now. It's called living in the divine will. And God is going to vanquish the darkness from the earth immediately after this battle is over. God's going to vanquish the darkness. And here's how God works, though. He doesn't just get rid of darkness. He's going to flood the world with light. Mm And so the Lord plans not just to get rid of evil, but to bring a new and imminent holiness to the entire church, the entire world. He even told Louisa it would be something like living in the Garden of Eden. The Lord, beloved, cannot be defeated and will not be defeated. He is, as he told Louisa, letting evil exhaust itself. We're seeing that right now, that evil is more or less exhausting itself. You can see that, for instance, right now in the the beginning of the confirmation hearings of the new um, nominee for the United States Supreme Court, this marvelous practicing Catholic woman, who is a judge and a scholar of great honor and a mother of seven children, and even now those who oppose life, unborn human life, are scandalizing her and tearing her apart in ways that are cruel and vicious and completely untrue. It's becoming almost ridiculous, almost ridiculous. God is letting evil exhaust itself and show itself for what it is, And God is preparing to deal with the evil very, very soon. But when he does, he's going to give to the world something new. And John Paul spoke about a new holiness that was coming, an amazing holiness. And this is the gift God has given to Louisa. And to prepare her, she had to stay in bed for like more than 50 years. She couldn't get out of bed. He was preparing her by her suffering and her obedience to give her the greatest gift of them all. He's opening now the doors to the kingdom of the divine will. The doors are opening right now, and everyone who's listening can begin to ask God today, Lord, take my will from me and give me your will. I want to live in the kingdom of your divine will. We can begin praying for it and asking for it now. These are unprecedented times, and what I'm going to say is this. These are unprecedented times of darkness and fatigue and sorrow and sin, but they will be followed immediately by an unprecedented time of glory, victory, holiness, and joy of the real presence of God on the earth, when everyone on the earth will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and will love him vehemently, will love him with all their heart and soul. So this time, you might say, of unparalleled darkness will be followed by a time of even more unparalleled holiness. That's what's coming. And these prophecies and these teachings are utterly and completely approved by her saint spiritual director and by the Vatican herself, the Vatican itself. We are really blessed to live in this time, and it's time for everyone listening to begin entering the kingdom of the divine will and exchanging our wills for God's will beginning today.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, dear listeners, it's time for us to take a quick break. You're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. Stay tuned.
4: The Quest presents A Daily Dose of Virtue with Jay Tremonti from Venture with Virtue. Do you find it easy to do the right thing? What about when no one's looking? Making good decisions and acting on them is what virtue is all about. But the pressure of stress, temptation, and vice constantly try to pull us away from doing the right thing. That's when we're at our weakest. Do you wish there was something to help you overcome these weaknesses, make a good decision, and do the right thing? Good news there is. It's called accountability. Sometimes our desire to be virtuous and do good is not enough for us to actually do the right thing. Having a friend or family member hold us accountable can make all the difference. When we know we have to answer to someone else for our decisions and actions, we actually think more critically, make a good decision, and act in line with the person we want to be, even when we're weak. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. AM
2: 1160 The Quest is listening to you too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on The Quest, and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth and hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com.
4: atheists often argue they don't need to give reasons for their position because they simply lack a belief in god the assumption being theists alone have the burden of proof but is this rational the answer is no and here's the reason atheism can't simply be a lack of belief dogs lack belief in god but that doesn't make dogs atheists atheism makes a claim about the world namely god doesn't exist as such atheists, along with theists, must shoulder the burden of proof. Even if an atheist says he simply hasn't found any good evidence for God, he would still have to prove why the evidence theists give for God is not good evidence. No matter how an atheist looks at it, he can't sit the sidelines when it comes to defending his position on the question of God's existence. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com.
5: Please join us in a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Heaven's Light on your Atlanta Catholic radio station. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Jack Tyson, Carol Tearsmith, Steph Ike, and Father Jim Blunt on the phone. And of course, we have Paul Crowder with us today as he's learning how to run the board. So, Jack, before we were going to break, I know we were going to start talking about the novena. So why don't you kick us off?
5: We are. We are. And, uh, Father, actually that last topic that you touched on for the final five minutes or so, um, certainly got us fired up during the break and we could, we could spend an entire show on that, but we're going to keep our promise. We're going to go back to, uh, Louisa and, uh, uh, contemplating the the mysteries of Luisa, the little daughter of uh, of divine will. And as Steph um, mentioned at the at the outset of the show, we've compiled some questions, and they and they follow along day by day. So Carol and I are just going to take turns asking you questions, sort of um, ping ponging back and forth. Is that okay? Sure. All right. So so day one, the a true little nun of my heart. Let me let me pull out the question here that we had uh, we had prepared. Uh, Louisa had a deep desire to be a nun, but she never entered the religious life. Could you talk about that and elaborate on our desires versus God's desires for us?
1: Sure. Thank you. It's an extremely important question. You know, the Lord complimented St. King David in the Old Testament. He complimented the good King David who, of course, defeated Goliath by faith, you see, and with a little slingshot. This is one of the greatest men who ever lived. But he said about King David that he admired him. The Lord loved him. Why? He said, because he is a man of many desires. That's what the Word of God says, that God complimented David for being a man of many desires. And we have to comment on this ourselves, you see, Because too often we meet people, and here's the real tragedy, even within the Holy Catholic Church, who seem to live without desire, like who seem to be among the walking dead. And yet God complimented King David, who was was meant to be a type or an archetype of the great king who was to come. That is Jesus Christ, who defeated the Goliath of Satan and sin. David's like a archetype of the Lord Jesus himself, and Jesus was a man of many desires, and he actually said that he longed, he, he longed for his fire to be lit on the face of the earth, he longed for it to be lit in Atlanta, his own fire, and so to have a fire within, to have desire, is part and parcel of Christianity. You really can't be a true Catholic without strong desires. Yes, we want holy desires, yes. If I have evil desires, I would say don't despair, don't panic, but go to confession perhaps every week for now, and I promise you, as St. John Paul said, he will transform any evil desires slowly but surely into holy desires. If you give them to Our Lady as well with her rosary, even if you're not a Catholic and you pray the rosary, Mama will transform your desires from evil into good. But the Lord himself said, you must be hot or cold, not lukewarm. What is he talking about? He's talking about desires. And so Louisa, she had desires, and she desired to be a nun. And so a second scripture to look at is this one. The Bible actually promises us that God will grant the desires of our hearts. He will grant the deep desires of your heart. That means, you know, the hidden but holy desires that you and I have. Because here is the secret key, my good listeners. If you have a deep and secret living desire within you, guess where it came from? It came from God. Everything about you was made by God. The sin is a perversion of what God has done. And God can heal that perversion and make it holy and straight again. He can heal our desires. But our desires come from God desire is like a fire inside of us. God has a fire inside of him. And so looking at this first day of the Novena of Louisa Picaretta, it speaks about her being the true little nun of my heart. And Louisa, she desired with all her heart to become a nun, a Catholic nun. And she never became one, you would say, on the surface, on the surface, And what's so fascinating about this this episode in Louisa's life is her dialogue with the Lord himself. And you see this throughout the 36 volumes of Louisa's writings, how she approaches the Lord Jesus Christ and speaks to him. I mean, it's obvious that, that they love each other. It's obvious they have a friendship and even a spousal relationship that we all are called to imitate and to enter into. So she speaks to him rather casually in many ways. And about this, about her becoming the true little nun, she reveals to us that Jesus promised her this. But then she became deathly sick and was confined to a bed for more than 50 years. No order would accept her in all of Italy and all the world. She was confined to her bed. More than that, her own mother was deeply opposed to her becoming a religious. So everything was against her, and so she actually spoke to the Lord Jesus about this desire of her heart that the Lord had promised her, and she said, Lord, you were not telling me the truth. She actually accused the Lord, her best friend, Lord, you were pulling my leg. You weren't telling me what was true. She said you made a lie to me, and you made fun of me. Now, beloved, this is something amazing. We don't want to be, of course, fresh to the Lord. We want to be respectful, of course. But there is a divine intimacy that occurs where you can speak to the Lord Jesus as your best friend and your spouse. As long as you're being honest and respectful, God will receive it. And the Lord did not get upset at her for being honest and respectful. He said to her an answer that is full of truth in itself. And Louisa says that Jesus assured me that when he told me that he promised me to become a nun, he was telling me the truth. And Jesus said to me, and I'll quote the Lord Jesus, I can neither deceive nor make fun. I can't do that. I'm not capable of deceiving anyone or making fun of anyone. So there's a, another important lesson in this day of the Novena is that the Lord can never deceive you, dear listeners, and will never deceive you But I find this even more important in our time. He can never make fun of you. And I see this on the media all the time, all the time on the media, on the upcoming uh, debates and on the nomination process. We see people making fun of other people. This is something that's, that's unknown in heaven and God is incapable of doing. Dear listeners, God will never make fun of you. And if you feel a spirit making fun of you, you can be sure it's not God. If there's someone making fun of you in some way, it's not from God. God loves you, and God keeps his promises. So there's amazing lessons here. But then the Lord goes on to tell Louisa, I have other ways to fulfill my promise to you. Other ways. In fact, he says, the call I made to you to become a nun was more special than the regular religious life. In fact, Louisa, he's telling her, you have suffered more than any religious. He asked her, who do you know becoming a nun, even in the most strict religious orders, cannot walk? You can't walk. Can't take air. It means go outside. You can't go outside. Can't enjoy anything. Louisa, you can't enjoy anything. Your life is stricter than all the other nuns put together, so to speak. He says, how many religious orders do this? Many, he said, do just the opposite. They live a life of too much entertainment. I've given you a life of the strictest, most powerful, most beautiful holiness. And then he, he gives her the punchline. He says, oh, my daughter, when I call to a religious state, I know how to fulfill that call. And I have fulfilled that call in you, Louisa. You're not wearing the habit. He says, and if that's okay, it's not the habit that makes the nun. It's not the habit. It's what's <laughs> inside of you. He says, the substance of the soul is what makes you a true religious. You have become the holiest, nun of them all. I have fulfilled my call to you. And then he tells her, you are the true little nun of my heart. Mm. And so you see that, Jack, this is something amazing That if the Lord has promised our listeners anything, including our beloved teenagers, he's going to fulfill it. He will fulfill it. He cannot lie to us, and he cannot deceive us. But he might fulfill it in a way different than what we expect. And I would say different as in better. So God will fulfill all of his promises to Atlanta and to those who are listening. He will fulfill them perfectly and even better than we could possibly have imagined. So don't despair. God cannot lie. He cannot deceive. He will never make fun of you. He will fulfill his promises. He will fulfill them perfectly, majestically, even in a heavenly way. Don't worry. God has plans for everyone, and he will fulfill them if we just say yes.
5: Yes. (laughs) God God over delivers. That's no, no doubt. No, no doubt. No. Thank you. Father. Amen.
1: Amen. You're welcome. You we said to be a little bit patient and God will come through. Be patient and pray. And God always comes through.
2: Absolutely. Yes. And, and as we move on and we, we talk about uh, the daughter of the church and, and this passage that I'm sharing um, in the novena, uh, Jesus describes how he wants to be involved in every step of our life. He specifically discusses his desire for the priests in our church to join our journey of suffering, each of us in, in the church, much like St. John at the foot of the cross uh, joined in Jesus's suffering. So Jesus goes on in, in this uh, passage um, to talk about how others can join in our suffering to accomplish exponential good for the world. Father, could you comment on that?
1: sure there's again there's so much of beautiful wisdom in this particular second day of the novena and in a particular way the lord here speaks of community that you might say there are no lone rangers in the holy catholic church or there should not be any lone rangers that we are a family we are a family we are a community So that everything God does, beloved, in your life and mine impacts a lot of other people. Each one of us, we are a gift to everyone else. We are gifts to one another. And God never moves in our lives or Louisa's life without having a gift there for everyone else. And sometimes that gift is suffering. And so in Louisa's life, we see her bed bound. It forced the priest to come to her bedside. She couldn't get out of bed for more than 50 years, they had to come and bring her Holy Communion. But the call on her life was so special that the Holy Father himself asked for Mass to be said in her bedroom, so she had the Holy Mass there. But you're seeing how Louisa's state of suffering called forth the presence, the activity, and pleased God the charity of the priest of her diocese. They were called to assist And it's one of the amazing teachings in this second day of the Novena about Louisa is that God's priests are called to accompany God's people in their sufferings. That's like the general theme of what the Lord is saying here, that we priests, we have to be men of empathy. Empathy to care about the people in our flock and to feel what they feel. We have to suffer when they suffer and rejoice when they rejoice. And so the priesthood is a key element in God's plan for the salvation of the human race. And the priesthood has been under merciless attack in the last 50 years, and you might say it appears to be crumbling. And when the Lord restores his universal church and the whole world becomes Catholic and Christian, the priesthood will be exalted again to the place it should have been to begin with where every priest is spotless and holy and filled with love for God and his people, a true leader, humble but radiant with joy. God plans to restore the priesthood. And he tells us in this day of the novena, where it's called Daughter of the Church, that you really can't be a daughter of the church unless the fathers of the church are with you. It's the fathers who give new life through baptism, and you sort of give birth to God's sons and daughters. But on a broader scale, the Lord is saying that when you suffer, when I send you a suffering, let's say that someone in your family, God forbid, but gets cancer. Well, It's not just your relative who has cancer, but all of us are impacted by that, are we not? We're all impacted when someone in our family suffers a great illness or a terrible car accident. And suddenly, when there was nobody in my life the day before I'm surrounded by 25 friends and relatives the next day. As John Paul the Great said, that suffering calls out of a man the best things that are there. It calls charity out of a man and makes it grow. And so when God sends an affliction from a victim soul like Louisa Picaretta, but any physical illness or accident or maybe a terrible loneliness, that the whole family and the whole community is impacted. And we can pray to God to have the resources. Lord, show me how to help my mother. Show me how to help my son. Show me, Lord, how to love my friend so that all of our sufferings are communal. God forbid we should suffer alone and lonely. And Bishop Sheen said that, that this type of, uh, almost like a form of atheism where people suffer alone alone He says "Is actually worse than the crucifixion when people die of apathy, when those around us are apathetic.
5: Hmm.
1: And so there's a call to love embedded in every suffering, and that love brings soul to a high place of sanctity and prepares me for heaven. So, yes, there's a lot here. An awful lot here, and that's why the day is called of the Novena, the daughter of the Church, that we should do everything in union with the Church and with her priest, and that we should never suffer alone or let others suffer alone, that we are called in the divine will to give God's healing love to those around us.
2: That's beautiful father. I know, I know I have a friend whose uh, husband is dying, and the priest has been just what you just described. He is journeying with this family, and it's bringing the family so much comfort so and uh that's that's pretty impactful,
1: yes, thank you, Carol. you know uh, we priests sometimes don't realize that and I think priests young priests i mean priests of all ages we don't always realize that that our presence um is very impactful that our just being there as a priest can change everything. I remember one example when my own beautiful and saintly mother was dying. She was was really the week of her death, and the founder of my community, he was a saintly priest. His name was Father Jim Flanagan, and Father Jim was pretty old and sick himself, but he loved my brother and I, and he loved our mother. He had met our mother, and he called her In her her dying days, he called her on the phone. It was so profound to hear his voice over the phone. I still remember my older brother breaking down and crying because this saintly priest took the time to call my family and spoke to my mother right there on the phone encouraging her. And so we priests don't always realize that we are just like the Pope. We are vicars of Christ. And just our presence, or a smile, or a word, can bring healing and comfort and encouragement. And believe me, times can bring eternal life just by being present there. So we we thank God for our calling as priests. And even when I wasn't a priest as a young man, I loved the priest. Mm-hmm. And we want to call the whole church that's listening now to love your priests. It's not easy. Priests can get lonely without a wife and children. It's not easy. And they're attacked everywhere they go, even by hateful glances of strangers. It's not easy. But priests, as St. John Vianney said, they really are the heart of Christ. Priests are the heart of Jesus Christ. And Louisa surely recognized that, and she said that the victory that's coming, God's going to give it through the priest. This gift of living the divine will will be given to the whole church through the priest. And so we say this not in an egotistical way, but that God has structured his church in a perfect way. And the priests need to love everyone in their community with an empathetic love. and the community, we need to love our priests back and show them, you know, our respect, and you know, pray for them and, and encourage them as well. God's plan is golden. It's absolutely golden, and it works. Thanks be to God for the church and for the vocations within the church.
5: Amen. 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 Father, I, I had a very similar experience uh, when my mother was uh, uh, on her last legs and a, and a, priest the Irish priest came and visited her and uh, she grew up in a you know Irish family her parents were from Ireland and and what I'll never forget and I talked about this in her in the eulogy was um, just watching her react to this priest praying with us um, I felt like it was her first glimpse of heaven and she she just wanted to go to this priest and she you know she was like elevating herself she hadn't you know hardly moved in a couple of weeks, and i'll I'll just never forget it it was so it was really really uplifting it really really what really it was um, oh, go ahead yes thank you jack um so I think we only have about four four or five minutes left so we'll we'll start on on day three which is victim and you you've already mentioned uh louisa as a victim soul and this is louisa of the passion of the tabernacle so but I'm, i i sort of expect this one we'll, we'll run over into next week but we'll we'll get it started so um we know that we're called to unite our our sufferings with christ and you know and sometimes that's that's easier said than done but in this uh novena passage Uh, Jesus describes when he allows pains in our life and the times when he uses us as tabernacles, uses us as tabernacles. Could you begin to explain that to us, Father?
1: Yes. um, Louisa was complaining. And, you know, we, we talk about the complaints of love. And I've never been married, but I've certainly seen that and how the beautiful bride will Complain, you know, in a gentle and loving way to her husband about this or that, and there there can be something called a loving complaint between two people who love each other, never meant to condemn, but but actually seeking greater truth. And so she was sort of complaining to the Lord, basically that she wasn't suffering enough. No, you know, this woman's on her way to sainthood. She's complaining because she's not suffering enough for Jesus. Because in her victimhood there on that bed for more than 50 years, she would experience the passion of the Lord and and with great physical suffering as well. So at this point, and this is in Volume 8 of her Book of Heaven, and the, the vision was given in 1909. And it's called Louisa of the Passion of the Tabernacle. When she's complaining to the Lord about not having enough suffering, just her regular normal suffering of like rheumatoid arthritis was there, and uniting her will with, her, with God's will, she was doing that. She says, Lord, I miss this suffering. What's the purpose of my life if I don't have this terrible suffering? And the Lord answers her immediately. She says, in a flash, he came in a flash. And he will to all of those who are listening. Beloved, if you speak to God from your heart, and I think that's the key of all keys, that true prayer is grounded on truth. True prayer is true. So when we speak to God from the very, very depths of our deepest, deepest heart, and we speak to God what is inside of us, whether it's perfect or not perfect, that's when God responds. God is truth, and he responds to truth. So when we speak to God truthfully and honestly, like a child, God's going to answer in a flash. And the first thing that our beautiful Jesus says to Louisa, see, her Lord is our Lord. Her Jesus is our Jesus. And the gift she had is available to us. And he answered her immediately, Remember, we can hear the voice of the Lord. We have to train ourselves and ask our lady to give us the grace to hear the word of Jesus clearly. As he said, I am the good shepherd, my sheep know me, and I know them, and they hear my voice. Entrust that desire to our lady. She will allow us to hear it of her son. He came to her and he said to her, My daughter, do you know who you are? See, because Lucy was complaining, Lord, who am I? I'm am not doing what I'm used to doing. Who am I? This is a question that all of us ask, maybe some of us every day. Who am I? He says, do you know who you are? And see, only Jesus has the answer, dear listener, to who you are. Jesus alone, the Vatican Council II teaches us, Jesus alone reveals man to himself. The secret to who we are is found in the Sacred Heart of Jesus. He says, My daughter, do you know who you are? Then he tells her, he gives her a title. He says, You are Luisa of the Passion of the Tabernacle. He gives her a title. It reminds me of that that first pope, Simon Peter, when he tells Jesus, Jesus asked the apostles, Who do men say that I am? And they have all these different theories, like John the Baptist resurrected or Elijah or one of the great prophets. But Simon says, no, 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 you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus, taken by this, looks at Simon, and he tells Simon who he is. Simon, Simon, no mere man has revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And for my part, I say to you, you are rock, and on this rock I will build my church jesus gave simon his name rock or peter and he's doing that here you see with louisa he's given her her name and what preceded that was honesty and we could say even further when you give jesus his name jesus you are my lord he will give you your name and he gave louisa her name you are louisa of the passion of the
0: tabernacle
1: now, what does that mean? Well, we may have to wait till next week to unpack do. that one.
0: Yes, we're out of time. <laughs> a it's cliffhanger. so hard. I'm like, oh, I don't want him to go too far into this because we're out of time. But yes. I father. know,
1: we <laughs> on the edge of a cliff.
0: Yes, but that means you all have to come back next week and hear the rest. So, Father, would you close us with a closing prayer?
1: Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you alone know my identity. I beg you now, on behalf of my brothers and sisters who are listening throughout Georgia and throughout the country and throughout the world, that you would give to each of my brothers and sisters to give to them, to give to us our identity. Only you know who we are. And you died to reveal to us our true selves, which is something holy, not something sinful. Lord, reveal to my brothers and sisters who they really are, something beautiful. Show them their title and their mission in life. Fulfill them beyond their wildest dreams. Help them to see you face to face and to hear your holy voice. Father God, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, may my brothers and sisters live within the divine will. They're knowing who you are, knowing who they are, and loving you with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our strengths. May the whole world be brought back to God as soon as possible, even immediately. May Almighty God bless everyone who's listening with their true identity in the will and in the love of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and through the prayers of Mary. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Father Jim, and thank you all you dear listeners for tuning in to Heaven's Light this afternoon on your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest.